All right, Trinity Church, how you doing today? So good to see you. Some of you are going, what? What? Are we, why are we sponsoring Subaru now? You know, is that, we got their, their stickers out on our building. No, what we're doing is this is a new series you walked into today called Road Trip. And what we were going to do each of these weeks, we're going to show you a clip from either a commercial or a movie scene about people being on road trips. And this one's a little bit unique for a lot of reasons. But the reason we showed it to you in particular today is that we thought about what a good way to start remembering when road trips were fun before kids. I know, I know, that's brutal. I know. I'm sorry, if you're still a young adult living at home, that, that has got to hurt. But it's absolutely the truth. So there we go. We're glad you're here today. We're diving in. We're going to have a great time. If you're a guest with us, especially after coming back from Easter last weekend, very welcome that you're here. We're so glad. And also, if you're a part of Trinity week in, week out, we're really glad you're here today. We are kicking off a lot of things, so I want to kind of jump into some stuff. Number one, though, you have a program today, and in it, if you take out the message notes, they're there for you. Kind of follow along with us. Also, if you have a Bible today, if you brought one, we're in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 22. Matthew's the very first book in the New Testament. If you didn't bring a Bible today, no worries. We're going to put verses up on the screen. You can track with us. But just wanted you to kind of be aware. Well, here's what we're doing. We are, um, as I'm spinning around trying to figure out where to start, we are beginning a brand new campaign today. Some of you saw that on social media earlier this week called New Seats, New Stories. And we shared a few weeks ago that we were beginning some kind of upgrades here in our worship center And we did painting that got done a few weeks ago. Carpet will come in uh, the first week of May or so. Like, it will give us a couple weeks, but the first half of May. And then chairs are the third piece to kind of that puzzle. Some of you were even out on the plaza a few weeks ago, got to sit in this bad boy. And uh, this is an example of the one that we're going to use. And I remember Doug was out there, and he was telling me that people were sitting this and saying, man, this is comfortable. They're saying, Todd could go a lot longer, and I'd be fine, you know? And so... (laughs) So I promise I won't because then that would maybe be anti-motivating to want to do this. But here's what we're doing in this process of, of doing some things to upgrade our worship center. This piece in particular, I wanted held out of what we were budgeting for. The paint, the carpet, that's part of a budgeting process. But this, I wanted it to be us. You see, just this last Friday night was a great example of your specific kind of special offerings in in uh, being played out. We did our light and power prom and it was just killer. It was so great. A lot of you were involved in helping and attending and the whole thing. It's a great time, but you gave to that as a church family all the way back in October, November for a thing we call Advent Conspiracy. And in particular for our light and power ministry, the prom was one of the big ways that those funds were going to be used. And so you did an awesome job. This is another opportunity for us to give in an over and above way, a special way. And here's the whole idea. There are people in your relational world that aren't here at Trinity Church yet. And when they come, they're going to need a chair. I want you to buy them one. That's what we're doing. These chairs are $50 a piece. And if we do that, if we take that seriously and say, you know what? I want to be involved in helping put new chairs in here and not just generic chairs. Now, what we're going to do, by the way, every time you give, we're not going to necessarily put a nameplate on the back with your name on it. Okay. That's not part of the deal. But, but they will be, in your thoughtfulness, you're thinking about, hey, who am I inviting to Trinity Church? I want a chair for them there in advance. 
And we're excited to be able to bring those in with that kind of missional attitude. More than just a a furniture upgrade, we really want to think strategically and missionally about our world. So that's going on. New seats, new stories. The way that you can give to that is on the, there's a donation envelope in front of you. You can indicate chairs. That's as simple as it has to be. You can write on a check the word chairs. That makes it'll get to that fund. Or even online, there's a way to just get to our online giving page and designate chairs. So any of those strategies, we'd love for you to get to engage in that and just consider how you might want to be a part of what we're doing in our future. Well, what we're doing today as we begin to kick this off and, um, and start into this new reality, there's some what I'm going to call some essentials. You know, the idea of a road trip when we're kind of having a creative meeting, brainstorming this series, it's amazing how many times that we can just kind of set out just almost like in motion, just got to be in motion. And in motion doesn't mean you're going the right direction. And you've done that plenty of times. And for some of you who drive, your spouse has told you plenty of times, pull over. Just because you're driving doesn't mean you're going the right way. Pull over, get directions, and let's go that, that, that heading. And that's what we're doing in this series, is we're saying, God, you have given us direction. You've given us a destination that we ought to be driving towards. Help us now understand that and then have the tools to do it. So as we do that in this series, there's going to be what I just call essentials that we'll kind of do. I'll introduce a little bit more in depth today, but generally we'll just do it real briefly. These cards were in your programs last weekend. They're at all the exits today on your way out. It's just a great invite to remember the people in your relational world. Hey, join me in this series. And by the way, anyone who's raising kids right now needs help. No doubt about it. Seriously, that's not, you can just be over that idea of even people who look like they're together, if in a moment of honesty, we'll tell you we don't know what we're doing. And so they need this series. On the back, though, is an event that I think they'll even be more drawn to if they're not a part of Trinity yet. It's called a Family Forum. And what we're doing is basically a mini parenting conference. It got birthed out of the idea that as our pastors were helping put together topics up on a whiteboard to figure out what this series would be like, we just realized we're barely going to scratch the surface. So instead, what we decided to do was let's actually do what we can do in a series and then let's set aside some topics we could do specifically for a Sunday afternoon event. The event's June the 4th from 2.30 to 6. Registration for that begins next Saturday, this coming Saturday online or next Sunday out in the plaza. And I just want to encourage you again, if you're in this life stage, obviously be there. If you know someone who's raising kids, tell them, I will pay for you to go. You will love this. It's going to be helpful to you. So really want to encourage you. We bring it, bring in some outside speakers to help us with that. I think it's going to be great. Another piece, take a look at your notes real quick. Another piece of just kind of our weekly essentials is that if you look at the bottom, like you have an insert, I should have brought one up. Open it up, and at the bottom of that, that kind of second page, I guess you'd say, is what I have on there is like a Todd's book recommendation. One of the biggest problems in parenting uh, for a, a, a believing family, a family that wants to honor the Lord, is they don't know where to start when it comes to resources. There's literally just an ocean of resource. And, and so my goal is not to tell you on the one hand, these are the only or the best resources. It's just to point you in the direction a little bit to some resources that I've found helpful. Remember, I was a family pastor for 14 years. And so I had some opportunities to 
to use some things along the way. This is the first book. I'll, I'll mention a book every week. It's called Finding Home. It's got a different jacket than the one up on the screen. But it's by Jim Daly. Jim Daly, about four or five years ago, became the president of Focus on the Family after James Dobson. And you don't know his name. He's not the James Dobson of the world. I've heard this guy two or three times. He's a great communicator. He's got a great vision for how God wants to use that particular ministry in the future. And Finding Home is just his story. So this isn't necessarily a parenting help book. This is a great biography, actually. And it's actually seeing how God, even in the midst of incredible dysfunction, just the opposite of the goal of what we're looking at today, but even in the midst of that, how God can be on the move, how God can work in lives where you never would have expected it. And so just an idea, not a lot of parenting helps, but at least a book on the family that might help you with just kind of be encouraged. By the way, it's a great book. If you've been raised in a lot of dysfunction, you'll find it very encouraging. Or if you know someone who's, who's raised in a lot of dysfunction, they will be able to relate to every single page. Jim's been through a lot, and it's a great story of God's goodness and faithfulness in that. Another thing that you'll notice at the bottom of your, um, of your notes is just a, a table talk conver- or question. Table talk question. And what we're going to do every week in this series, I just want to leave you with a question that you can talk about as a family about where you're at. Some of you right now, by the way, are blessed in this series because your kids are actually in the room. So as you're hearing it, they're hearing it, that actually creates a great conversation. What did you think about this idea? Or what do you think about this big idea? Today's is all about identifying the destination. How are we doing with that? And just have, I don't have 17 questions for you. I have one. This week, one meal you might have together, one time you're in the car, talk about that idea and see how that might help you. All right, lots of stuff. Sorry about so much housekeeping today, but wanted to get that out to you. And they'll just become kind of norms for us as we go through our series. Um, Here's what I want to do. I think as we mentioned last weekend that we were doing a family series, there was a ton of us sort of like, oh, thank you, God, I need help. There are others of us who are like, "Uh, all right. I don't know if that's really helpful to me. I don't know if that really affects where I'm at in my life stage. And even some who came today for the first time were like, oh, great, about the family. I don't really care. Well, let me help you this. I, I want to show you why you're wrong, because this totally applies to you, okay? Let me show you in two different ways. The first one is this. For those of you, and I want you to do this, I want you to keep your hands raised. For those of you who are currently in it right now, you're raising kids at home, raise your hands. Just, and keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. Raising kids at home. Secondly, if you are the kid being raised at home, raise your hand. That's all you, okay? Good. So over here. Great. Thirdly, if you, keep them up, keep them up. What are you doing? Come on. Keep your hand up. Thirdly, if you um, are married, raise your hand. Kids are not. Okay? Good. If you, next one, if you want to be married, raise your hand. There's a lot of looking around about hands that just shot up. It's good. This is where this happens. We get, let people get to know each other at church. It's good. Keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. If you, if you are a grandparent, raise your hand. Good job. Okay, look around the room, look around the room. These are all people who are connected to the series. If you come from a mom and a dad, raise your hand. So that's what I want you to see. Everybody has something to get out of this series, okay? Because these family dynamics relate to God's design. He actually gave us instructions, 
That's, that's the hardest thing when I'm talking to families, and I would totally expect that for families who are not following Jesus, but even those for those who are, they, they approach parenting, they approach family as though it's just kind of a go figure it out on your own. And I would go, why would you do that when God gave you some really, really helpful tools to aim at his direction and his destination? The other aspect is this, no matter how you're related to a specific family right now, the reality is when you look at the topics that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks in this series, they relate to all of your relationships. Every kind of relationship, on the job, friends and neighbors, extended family, your relational world, all of these things affect those relationships. So in a sense, this is a relationship series as much as anything else. Some of the topics we're going to talk about are God's design for things like how to prioritize what matters most. We're going to talk about living in a missional posture towards others. We're going to talk about the power of influence. We're going to talk about communication strategies. And we're going to talk about forgiveness and restoration. Those are just a few over the next seven weeks that we're going to hit on. And they're going to help every part of your relational world. So come prepared for that. And that's just really my question to you today. What does God want to say to you? What does God want to communicate to you today on this topic, no matter how much you feel connected to a family or not? God has something to say to you about the way that you relate to him and to other people. And for that, we're excited. Here's the big idea that we want to keep in front of us. That's our now what question. Let Jesus identify the destination for your family and depend on him for the directions. Let Jesus identify the destination and depend on him for the directions. Number one in your notes today, there is a destination to parenting. There actually is a destination. There's something that you're aiming at. There are games that you have played in your life that you just thought, that was like the dumbest thing I've ever done. I have an example of a couple dumb games. Okay, here's one of them. One of them would be um, this. I don't know if you've ever seen this before. This is called a finger blaster. Probably one of the best things ever invented. It's, it's like Nerf, you know, kind of rubbery plastic and just a, um, a rubber band. That's all it is. I was a youth pastor for 10 years. Things don't go away from me. I just keep loving them, okay? So imagine this is the game. Imagine the game is this. You take a finger blaster, kind of close your eyes, spin around, and just kind of launch. Hey, good catch. All right. So then, then the, leave it right there, and then this is what you do. After you shoot it, eyes blind, just shooting it out there, then uh, you can just set it in your lap, and I'll just set this on top. Thank you, Becky. And just kind of go there. Bullseye. <laughs> it's kind of a dumb game, right? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Thank you very much. Now, but what if we did this way? Scott, you want to help me real quick? So Scott's going to stand up, and this time Scott's going to hold this. Now, by the way, if you're around Scott, pay good attention. And that simply means if I'm not a good shot. Last service, um, it was so great, the lady that was holding it. By the way, and this is not harmful. This is not a bow and arrow and an apple. So relax, okay? But uh, no, don't move it. Keep it where I want it. <clears throat> so that's why, that's why Scott's moving it away from his body. But all people generally around Scott pay attention because getting one of these in the noggin is not the best. Here we go, Scott. Hold on. Let's see how good we are. Oh, right over the top. Snap. Did I hurt anyone behind you? Are you okay? Okay, good. Good stuff. Give me back my target, Scott. All right. Thanks, you guys. All right. Now, so that's a little better game because at least you know if you're a good shot or not. Okay, of which I am not. Okay, we're clear on that. Here would be another kind of dumb game. It'd be like this. It'd be like if you said, you know what? Like you're the responsible adult in your home and you were to say, you know what? Let's do this. Everybody pack your bags. We're going on a road trip. 
Everyone's like, okay, start throwing stuff into bags. You load them in the minivan. And then as you get ready to go, you, you hop in the car at the end of your driveway. You make a right, go down a block. Then you make a left, go for a half mile. You hop up on the freeway, and you drive 200 miles in the eastwardly direction. And it's somewhere out in those 200 miles, someone gets the, the smart idea of going, where are we going? And then your answer, the one who came up with this game, your answer is this. Well, I've always wanted to see what that whole, if you lived out the whole theme song from Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, we're merrily, 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 merrily on our way to nowhere in particular. I just want to see what that'd be like. At which time everyone in the car says, give me back your adult card because you don't belong there anymore. You're a moron. That's not a good game. So things like this are some of the games that we would go, well, that's silly. That would never make any sense. But families who head out in a direction simply who are in motion, but not towards a goal, not towards really a target, are really operating like that second game. It really doesn't make any sense. We're moving, but we don't know towards what. And what I want to help you with today is I want to help you see that Jesus has actually defined what that looks like. Let me give you a couple of thoughts. First off, understand that God has defined the destination of parenting. God has defined the destination of parenting. Here's a, just kind of an easy definition. I'll give it to you again later in this series. A family is the environment God has established for which the next generation is to be trained to live in a manner that pleases him. It's a basic working definition of family. A family is an environment God has established for the next generation to be trained to live in a way that pleases him. So if that's, if that's what a family, in essence, is doing, what's the end game in your notes? The ultimate goal of parenting is training kids to leave. That's what you're doing. Where is the amen in the audience? <laughs> right? And, and to leave well. To leave well, that's the destination. And the funny thing is that I think theoretically, academically, intellectually, we know that, but we don't live like it. Because in the middle of what we're doing, we're so caught up in the moments. And I get it. I've done this with four kids. I've potty trained, well, my wife has potty trained four kids, of which I was a compliant, complicit helper to some degree. And, and we have done the making the messes. We have done the problems at school. We've done just like you have. And in the midst of all the murkiness of everyday life, you can forget that there is a goal. There is something to aim at, some direction to move to. And on the one part, your part, your role within your family radically changes when your kids become adults. It was always meant to be that way. When I said that, that your goal is to help them leave and leave well, I never said that, that therefore then the relationship is over. By no means. Many of you have relationships with your adult kids and, and you will testify that's when it gets good. That whole role has changed. They're not financially dependent on me anymore. Praise God. Right? So, so we're not in any way saying that the relationship is just cut the cord, we're done. What we're saying is, though, that there is a movement from here early in the relationship of what would be called control moving to influence. That's, that's the methodology of how this is going. You're moving from control 
to influence. If you're here today and you have a four-year-old and you would tell me, you know, Todd, my parenting style is basically just trying to influence him or her towards good things. I go, you're not being a good parent. Because at four years old, your job is to control. I didn't say be a dictator, micromanager, but to give control. Because that four-year-old has no clue of what to do. And guess what? If you don't give control, they are out of control. Now, watch this. That's four. Over here at 16, if I were to ask you what's your parenting style, and it looks a lot like what it was at four, you've also got problems. Because this is supposed to naturally, gradually be shifting, and it's little just tweaks here and there until you get to this place called influence. And you're saying, you know what? What would you do in that situation? How are you doing in your friendships? What are your assignments with school? Or maybe not. You can just tell me how you're doing. It changes, and it rightly so should. See, for years as a family pastor, I was giving advice to people, giving counsel to people about their adult kids in that relationship. And I would tell them this at the very beginning, I don't know what I'm talking about. Now, I have biblical principles, and I think these principles are accurate and true, but I have not lived it. I have little kids at home. I will tell you what I think the Bible teaches on this relationship and the change, but I'm just going to tell you, I haven't lived it yet. Well, now I have an almost 20-year-old. Jackson turns 20 next month. And then a 17, almost 15, and 9. That's where we're at in our strata right now. And so now I actually have one experiment going on (laughs) outside of our home in that regard and trying to figure out what that looks like. But I'll tell you this. We were trying to be intentional. All the advice I'd given to parents, I'm going, you're going to eat, you're going to chew on this yourself someday there, sports, so figure it out. So what we tried to do is this. Jackson turned 18 just about the time of high school graduation. And Joanna and I just took him out to dinner. Just the three of us sat down and we had this conversation and we said, you know, but things are changing and rightfully so. There's probably parts of what we had done before that we will miss and new parts will be excited about. But this transition was meant to happen. You see, in our minds, we had basically come to this conclusion that there needs to be some sort of line. If you were raising kids today in the Jewish culture, your kids became adults at 13. Some of you have 13-year-olds, you're like, oh, Lord. That is anything but an adult, okay? Now, my point is this. I think in our Southern California American culture, it seems as though, at least, and you could argue it's a different line, I'm going to say high school graduation. High school graduation is a line when people walk across that stage receiving a diploma, at least in yesteryear, there was a sense of now you are an adult. Doesn't mean that you have no connection to your family, doesn't mean you're kicked to the curb, but it means there's a new level of responsibility. So we're having this dinner with Jackson, and we're talking this through, and we're simply saying this. In the past, you needed to ask permission for us to be able to go out and do things with friends at night. Now, we just simply want you to let us know what you're doing. His eyes got huge. He's like, am I being punked? What's going on, you know? We're like, no, bud, this needs to happen. There needs to be a transition in responsibility and relationship. You are, by all means of the word, you are an adult. I'm not kicking you to the curb, not like you have to pay rent, but you are an adult who needs to start figuring out more and more adult responsibilities. And so what we're talking about today is trying to process how do you think that way even now in the, in the murk. Here's how it happened to me. We're in this uh, brand new church up in the desert. Um, we have at that time a five-year-old, a two-year-old, and a four-month-old. 
That's how old our kids are. And Tom Mercer's doing this series in the book of Ephesians, and he's at the end of the book talking about chapter 5 and 6 about marriage and family. And he's laying this out, and this is what he says. And you know, I don't know if this is going to pierce your heart like it pierced mine. It's okay if it doesn't. But you need at some point as a parent some sort of thing to hang your philosophy on. What are you trying to do? Today is meant to try to be a broad net to do that. And this is what pierced my heart that day. This is what he said. No matter where you're at in the parenting continuum, you need to parent now with the end in mind. You need to parent now with the end in mind. So in my head, what would develop would be, what do our kids look like? Who are they becoming when they walk across a high school graduation podium? Because that has been our responsibility in a very unique season of their lives that will absolutely change going into the future. And then we began to think, if that's what the target is, let's work backwards and see what does that look like at five? What does that look like at 10? What does that look like at 15? It gives us something to measure against. The other thing he told me that day was this, you are not raising kids, you're raising adults who happen to be kids now. That meant something to me. Because when my kids were so small, I couldn't even begin to think of them as that stage. But every parent of young kids, that's our challenge, is to go, I don't think they'll ever grow up. Oh, yeah. And very quickly. A place that this really became present to me in this idea of identifying the destination Back it up. I'm a youth pastor up in Oregon, and I have a project. I'm in seminary, and I have a project. The project is to put together a student profile. It was a really cool idea. It was basically uh, working with our volunteer youth staff team and working with parents of kids in our youth group. And we put together a, a questionnaire, basically, that said, who are we praying, hoping, and giving energy to these kids to become? What do you want your high school student to become before they graduate? That was the question, series of questions on that. And so I gave these out. Most people returned them, so I got to look over the surveys, but then I had some follow-up appointments. And I met with multiple people and got to really ask them these questions. What are you aiming at? What are you d- directing your energies to your kids becoming? And here's what the answers I received. Probably had seven or eight in-home interviews, and they all basically said the same thing. We want our kids to have great character. We want them to be honest, and we want them to be polite and things along the like. And then they would say, we want our kids to have a good work ethic. And as I heard those things, I thought, you know, those are really good things. I'm really glad that you're after that. I'm really glad that you're not saying, well, pretty much the high bar is that they don't go to jail. You know, that wasn't it. They wanted more than that. But then as we began talking and as I began listening more and more, I started thinking about the fact that was basically it. Their bar, their goal, their destination was to raise good kids. And I sat there and thought about it in my head, and I thought, I didn't hear from a single family who went to this local church. I wasn't interviewing people in the community. I was interviewing people from our church. Not a single person said, I want them to love God with all their heart. I want them to love people in a sacrificial way. I want them to be about Jesus' rescue mission. Well, no one said anything like that. And I thought in my head, What are we missing? How can you be satisfied with having a bar that's so low that if I would have the same exact conversation with anyone in our community, they would have said the same things? I thought we were after more. I thought we were after more. And so this is what happened in our lives. 
as we began to process that, and I'm in now, fast forward, I'm back to this youth pastor role, trying to think through what, are, what is our, our destination? What are we aiming at? And Joanna and I sat down and began to put some thoughts together. And as we did this, I was the family pastor at HCC. I was actually writing for our magazine, also called Connections. And I wrote an article, and this is what I included as ours. You, it's not meant at all to be definitive, like it should be yours, but watch this. But you do need something to aim at. We want to raise four children who love God extravagantly and who love people compassionately, living lives that are God-centered and others-focused. We want to train our children to know God by reading and remembering his word, becoming able to discern truth from error. We want them to understand what authority is and how all of it comes from God. As for Jackson, we want to raise a young man who recognizes that he lives for an audience of one, who gives courage to those who cower, who honors women rather than exploits them, who keeps his word. We want him to look up to godly men and women as his heroes rather than others who can extraordinarily put a ball through a hoop or play musical instruments the loudest. We want him to attempt great things for a great God. I want him to become the type of father someday that he hopes that I'll become for him. I want him to live like Jesus would if he was in his shoes. And for Aaliyah, Kendallin, and Ellie, we want to raise three daughters who find their value in who God says they are, rather than letting their culture determine their worth. We want their beauty to come from their interior rather than from a synthetic exterior. We want them to embrace God's call to be modest and to present themselves as beautiful rather than erotic. We want them to learn to be content in whatever circumstances God allows into their lives. We want them to be brave enough to trust their Heavenly Father rather than attempt to control life from their limited perspective. We want them to have hearts that seek to serve rather than to be served. Now, that's the target. I want to say this categorically, and I have two of my daughters in this service. We are so blessed with great kids, but watch this. None of them are there. That's what we aim at. We are fallible people raising fallible kids. And we are, with the aid of the Holy Spirit, able to make progress. But the point is, don't hear that today and go, man, Todd's kids are all together. Anything but. Hang out in my home. But we know what we're aiming at. And that's our direction. In your notes, this is what I want you to write in. It's just, is it just about becoming good citizens or is it about becoming something more? about becoming the next generation of Jesus followers who join him in his rescue of the world. And if it is, here's a hint, it begins when you major on the majors. Number one, number two in your notes today, anchor their affections. This is how we begin to do that, how we begin to paint the target for our our families. We anchor their affections. Jesus clarified the majors. You and I can get so easily distracted in the weeds of minor things, but Jesus said, this matters most. Let me show you. You're in Matthew 22, verse 36. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, when you hear that, here's the context. Jesus is there. There are people out to get him. They're in opposition. This was a loaded question because when they asked Jesus what the most important commandment was, they weren't asking him out of a body of 10. 
When you and I think the Ten Commandments, they asked him about the entire Jewish Old Testament law, 613. So Jesus, just, just off the top of your head, what's the greatest commandment out of 613? And with no hesitation, love God with everything you have, but I can't even stop there. The second is somehow just like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Boom, just like that, he gives that out. And then what we call today, we consistently call this passage the great commandment. And rightfully so. It's what Jesus said matters most. So if Jesus said more than anything about your life, focus your attention vertically on God and horizontally towards others, then not only should that be our aim, but the aim in which we're pointing our kids. That's where we begin with the great commandment, this idea of how we live. And so watch this in your notes. In essence, you're parenting your children to become God-centered and others-focused. God-centered and others-focused. Let me tell you why I chose those words. I don't say them because I think I'm smarter than the Bible. I say it because I think that when we use the word love in our English language today, it kind of means everything, which is what it means then that it means nothing. That's the problem. So that's a way that, at least for me in my head, I can clarify. That's what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, is to be God-centered. God is at the center of all that you are and all the decisions you make. And when you think about people, loving your neighbor as yourself, it means to be others-focused. You're paying attention more to them and what they need than to you and what you need. So God-centered, others focus is at least a handle to maybe use to say, how does that actually come into play? What does that actually look like? And if these are the things that your kids are to become, God-centered, others focused, then what are they supposed to do? If that's their, their essence, their character, then what do they do with that? And in short, they're to influence others to also be God-centered and others-focused. That's number three in your notes. Develop disciple-makers. Develop disciple-makers. Matthew 28, just a couple pages over in your Bibles, 28, chapter 18, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them. This is Jesus after he has been crucified on the cross, resurrected like we celebrated last week at Easter. He's for 40 days engaging and interacting with people. It's at that point he says this, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, as you are going, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The previous passage we rightly call the great commandment. This is what we call the great commission. In your notes, the Great Commission is the calling to continue the rescue mission that Jesus began and that he paid the way for at the cross and his empty tomb. Here's what you need to grab. The gospel was never intended to end with you. Now, I know so many of you get that. And even in the realm of parenting, you get that. I don't, I don't think I could even meet a parent at Trinity Church that would say, I love the Lord and, you know, whatever for my kids. I hope they figure it out. No, you're here 
your kids are being involved in our kids and student ministries, our family ministries. You're doing everything you can to point them in that direction. And there's no greater thing when your child says, Mom, Dad, whomever, I am ready to put my faith in Christ. Just last night, Ellie comes down and she had this piece of paper and she says, Dad, look what I found. And she opened it and it said in there, she had a, an assignment when she was in the first grade. Every weekend, she'd come back to school, I guess on Monday, and she'd write out, this is what I did this weekend. And back in November, November the 6th, three years ago, she has written on her page, I prayed to ask Jesus into my heart this weekend. It was so cool. She was, she was beaming last night when she said, look, Dad, I have the date. I know when this happened. I said, that is so great. Put it somewhere where you can look at it often and be reminded of the decision you made. What parent doesn't get ecstatic about that reality? But here's the point. Your faith wasn't even intended to end with your kids. As great as that is, as they are the most inner ring of your concentric circles that you do life with, the reality is God wants to use you and your kids to be about sharing this great news with people. Here's the problem with us. What we basically said is, oh God, that's really great. You know, sharing the gospel, that's really what missionaries do. They're awesome at it, you know. They're in Papua and New Guinea and all those great places and bringing the Lord to people who don't know about him. Yeah, they are. Uh, or, um, well, God, that would be great, but I don't, I don't have the gift, right? The gift of evangelism. That's, that's not something I can do. I can't, I'm, I'm not good at it. We'll leave that up to them. And here's what I want to say. The reason why you think that is that you think that evangelism is code for sales. You think it's your job to persuade people to sign on a line that they made some decision because of your words. I will tell you, it was never like that. It's never been about that. And what scares you to death, like it scares me of going up and knocking on doors, hey, my name's Todd, you've never met me, but I know you need Jesus. That, that is the most one of the most fearful things I have ever done in my life with absolutely no return. And all I'm saying is this, the most efficient way for people to understand the great thing that God has done through them through the person of Jesus is through the ongoing dripping of what you share with them in your relationship with them. Through your relational world, you have been strategically, supernaturally placed in a relational world where God wants to use you to be a source of influence. And watch this, and God wants to use your kids. And if we train them, if we show them, if we model for them this kind of intentional influencer living, guess what you're doing? You are raising a new generation of intentional influencers. A new generation who are going to be about Jesus' rescue mission to the world. And that, to me, is so incredibly exciting. What I want you to know about that is that we at Trinity Church, a couple things. Number one, we believe that parents are the primary spiritual influencers of their kids. I believe it's a very biblically core concept. We will never take that position away from you. But secondly, we really want to come alongside you. We really want to be great allies to what you're doing. So in that case, we've actually formed, and you'll hear more of this in coming weeks, but we've formed who we are moving forward, our mission around these most important things we've looked at today. We're trying to help you and help your kids become these people. Look at our branding. It's what we've been putting out in front of things and haven't given enough explanation yet. 
But when you look at this graphic, you'll see these words rooted and reaching. Rooted and reaching. And, and as we get to explain more and more, this idea first of anchoring their affections, it's really the same idea of being rooted in Jesus. That, that he really would be the thing that is the core, the roots in which you grow and thrive, that your kids grow and thrive. And look at the next idea, this idea of developing disciple makers. It's really code for reaching our worlds. These things that Jesus said, major on the majors, the great commandment, the great commission, we are as a church. And we want to help you and help your kids do the same thing. This is how we wrap it up today. As you're sitting here and you're kind of thinking about this going, this is great. I, I don't even know how to start. Where, where do we begin to become this kind of family? I don't know. What do I do if I've already raised kids? Now what? Let me put it this way. Come back next week. And come back the week after that. And we're going to give you, as we've painted the target today, as we've defined the, the destination in these next few weeks now, we're going to work towards going, how do you actually do that? What are some of the handles of moving forward in that direction? And I want to just say, by way of encouragement, the Bible says, don't give up. Galatians chapter 6 and 9, let us not become weary in doing good. Raising kids according to God's design is definitely doing good. For at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Listen to these words. Here's another way of saying what I just read related to your family. Don't stop. Entrust your kids' future to God by leading your kids towards his goal for their lives. If you didn't know this information before you got here today, don't focus on what you failed to do, but fixate on what you can do now. And don't stop even after your job of training them is done because God has never done writing the pages of their book. Don't give up. It's going to be worth it. And I love when you think about that idea of engaging with your kids someday as, as adults, as basically your friends. I think about what a joy that is. And Solomon, writing the Proverbs, he said it would be a joy. He says this, Proverbs 23, the father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. So the thought, the big idea, the now what for this week, let Jesus identify the destination for your family and depend on him for directions. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we want to say thank you for your word. I've talked to so many parents over the years that felt so completely lost as though there was no direction at all of how to align themselves, of what to aim their kids toward, of a destination upon which to direct. And Thank you for your word that gives us these two big ideas, great commandment, great commission. And God, would we not only be raising kids to be that, but would we embrace that for ourselves? Would we become a people defined by being rooted and reaching? You may be here today and you would say, Todd, this is all great, but I, I really would have to say I don't even really have a relationship with God at this point. I've never really entered into that kind of mode of saying, I want to follow Jesus. And I have great news for you today because you can. Without a lot of pomp and circumstances, right here, right now, you can say, A, I admit. I admit that I need a Savior. I admit that I'm a sinner who is not in a right relationship with a holy God. B, believe. I believe that Jesus is the only Savior available. And because of what he did at the cross and in the empty tomb, he is set aside, set above all else. No one is like him. And he's the savior that I know I need. So see as choose. 
choose to put one foot in front of the next and choose to say, Jesus, I want to follow you with my life. You can make that decision today. And I would just encourage you, if you do, if this is the day you are ready to do that, would you please tell someone? Tell someone you came with today. Tell someone who's been praying for you. Tell someone you care about. Hey, I just want you to know I made this decision today to follow Jesus myself. And they will be so ecstatic for you, just like we are. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for what you've blessed us with, with your word and with family. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.